Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levero Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Today, for episode 476, my guest is Nick Farrow. He's joining me to talk about Frost. What is it? What does it mean for Bitcoin multi-signature security? What kind of benefits does it have? What are some of the downsides? And what is Roast as well as how does the hardware and software have to shift to adapt to this? This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. And if you are a business owner and you are looking to add Bitcoin to your corporate balance sheet, it's never been easier. If you're seeing all of this that's going on now with banks failing, Swan Bitcoin Treasury Solutions makes it easy for you to incorporate Bitcoin into your financial strategy. You can automate your Bitcoin investment custody and management strategy and you'll get expert guidance every step along the way also related is swan's bitcoin benefit plan if you have staff and you'd like to be able to give them a fringe benefit of some bitcoin every month bitcoin benefit plan makes it easy for you to recruit reward and retain top talent with bitcoin swan handles all the heavy lifting like creating wallets converting currency routing payments and like magic your employees receive bitcoin and a world-class financial education monthly as a benefit from you go to swan.com business when it comes to Bitcoin blockchain explorers, mempool.space is the leading one. You can use it whenever you're about to send a large Bitcoin on-chain transaction so you know what kind of fee to transact with. And with mempool.space, you can see the multi-layer ecosystem of Bitcoin. You can see the mempool, you can see the blockchain, you can see the Lightning Network, and so much more. With mempool.space, you don't even have to trust a third party. It's free and open source software. You can host it yourself. Now for enterprises, mempool.space offers customized mempool instances. You can get your company's branding, increased API limits and more. So go learn more at mempool.space slash enterprise. Now, when it comes to securing your Bitcoin, you have to check out coinkite.com. Coinkite make an amazing array of Bitcoin security products and accessories, most notably the cold card. You can get the cold card Mark IV. It's out now. It has two secure elements. It has NFC support. It's really reliable. And you can spin up the device without even plugging it into a computer. And you don't have to phone home, which is a great benefit that you get when you're using the cold card. Of course, they have a new device coming out, which you can pre-reserve. It's called the Q1. This new device will have a QR feature also. But the cold card does not have that. It has NFC and micro SD card. And of course, if you're a beginner, you can just directly plug it to your computer and use it easily with wallets such as Sparrow or Spectre. So go to coinkite.com and get a discount on your cold cards with the code Levera. On to the show with Nick. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stefan. Very much looking forward to it. So Nick, I know you've been you've been uh, working on a bunch of different things in the space, and uh, recently uh, a big focus in your work has been around all this stuff. And we're going to break it down today. Try to keep it accessible for everybody around Frost and Roast and Multisig and Nostra and what does it all mean, right? Um, so uh, yeah, do you want to just I guess give us a little bit of a high level for, uh, for people who don't know you? What's your main focus, you know, in development and stuff nowadays? Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe I'll start with a bit of a funny story. I first met, ran into you, Stefan, at a Bitcoin bush bash. I remember. Uh, in Beechworth. Mel- uh, yeah, Beechworth, yeah. Beechworth. And that was my, that was my first sort of exposure to a, a Bitcoin event, actually. And Wizard of Oz sort of convinced me. Well, I, I sort of, I, I proposed the idea to him that I could present this payment processor, uh, sat sale that I've been tinkering with. And so I got up at, at Beechworth and was like, Oh, this is the best thing ever. It was, it was really a piece of crap at the time. Um, and I, I think you sort of caught on to that. I was sort of talking a bit. Uh, been talking badly about other payment processes and, uh, and talking up sat sale a bit, which is really just, you know, uh, a really crappy HTML button that you just spit out addresses. Um, but yeah, that was awesome to meet you there. And, and, uh, it's really good that I, uh, decided to do that. That's how I met, 
um, the people that I'm working with at the moment. So, yeah. Um, so at the moment I'm working, uh, with Frost. So Frost is sort of what I like to call the next generation of, of Bitcoin multi-signatures. And it, it uses the, uh, taproot upgrade that Bitcoin had quite recently. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of really exciting user experience, uh, in terms of multi-signatures coming along pretty soon. Fantastic. And so, can you break some of this down for us, right? Like, so as, uh, you know, multi-sig exists today, right? That, that's like, you know, I think it used to be op-check multi-sig and now it's op-check-sig. But if you could just tell us a little bit about what's the difference now with Frost and what kinds of, you know, if you could just start with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, like you say, uh, Stefan, we do have multi-signatures in Bitcoin already. Um, so, you can think of multi-signature like, you need multiple keys in order to spend uh, some Bitcoin. Um, and and multi-signatures are really helpful as you can do a threshold. So, say you have three keys, you might need uh, two out of those three keys in order to spend uh, that Bitcoin. And, and this is all customizable uh, to whatever setup you like. So, I, I like to think of script multi-sig which are the, Bitcoin, uh, the multi-sigs we currently have in Bitcoin a bit like N individual locks or a whole bunch of smaller locks comprising a, a much bigger lock. And you can, you can customize that threshold. Um, so yeah, it could be a three of five or a, a five of eight or a two of three, uh, whatever you really like. So that's script multi-sig. Think of it like, yeah, N smaller locks comprising a bigger lock. Frost, on the other hand, uh, is just really just one lock. And instead of having multiple smaller locks comprising that one lock, you have uh, a key that is fragmented or shared amongst a group of people. Um, and the cool thing about Frost is you can still have this uh, threshold uh, T of N. So, yeah, three of five, five of eight, whatever you like. Um, but instead of running in, in Bitcoin script, uh, Frost is entirely done through mathematics and it gets to its threshold nature from mathematics. So that's the that's the big difference between uh, what we have at the moment, script multisig, um, or sometimes referred to as legacy multisig, and Frost, which is coming soon. Yeah, and so could you also spell out? Is there any relation here with some of the Musig two stuff? Mm -hmm. So Musig is uh, also uses Schnorr signatures, uh, so tap that've been enabled through the Bitcoin's Taproot upgrade. Musig is specifically N of N, so two of two, three of three, uh, five of five. You can't do uh, the threshold. Now, Musig, because of this, Musig is more applicable to things like lightning channels, where you're only really doing a two of two. Um, whereas Frost, because you can do this threshold thing, it's better for your own self-custody or protecting Bitcoin in, a, in an organization or a business. Gotcha. And so... As I understand with some of this, there are some benefits and some costs here, right? Or some downsides. Mm. So, presumably, one of them is around privacy that we're trying to make multi-sig look just the same as single-sig, um, as I understand. That's one of the benefits, right? Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite one. Yeah, one of my favorite things about Frost is that you have this, uh, because it's a single lock, it looks like a single signature spend on chain. So it looks identical to any other um, single taproot key spend uh, on chain. Any other pay to taproot uh, output spend, a Frost 
transaction or a frost, a transaction that's made, signed using frost can look the same. And that's in, that's a, in stark contrast to, to multi-sig as we have it today. Current multi-sig is actually has really terrible privacy. Uh, you can go on mempool.space and, you know, click through, um, some transactions. You'll eventually run across a multi-signature. And that multi-signature, it'll tell you whether it's a three of five or a, a five of eight, whatever it is, because when, when you spend those UTXOs, uh, you reveal the script to everyone and everyone can just read oh, how many keys there are. There's a really interesting article I really, really found really, this sort of like blew my mind when I first read this. Someone analyzed the, the withdrawal addresses for BitMEX and in 2019, when one of the BitMEX executives got arrested, they were able to, using like comparing the timing of which keys were signing and which executives were in custody, this researcher was able to figure out like which executives were holding which keys to the multisig and when they were signing. And that that's like extremely terrifying if you're running, you know, a billion dollar uh, exchange withdrawals daily. It's... Uh, pretty crazy yeah fascinating and so i guess as you're saying this uh in a frost context then uh you know you could remove some of that now Mm. i understand some of the downsides here with some of this stuff could it be that there's more interactivity required or there's more complexity can you explain some of that for us like what are some of the downsides of using frost yeah, so one of them that's uh, a direct flow-on from the, the improved privacy is that uh, Frost alone has actually worse accountability. Um, so you can't sort of say, oh, I know you signed and you signed right. uh, because it's it's very private. Um, so in some settings, we believe there is some uh, modifications you can make to Frost to make it more accountable to those within the multi-sig while it's still appearing highly private um, to outsiders. Uh, in terms of other, yeah, complexities with running Frost, because it is entirely this off-chain protocol done with mathematics, you have to, there's a bit more communication involved. Um, and so before Frost, there have been other threshold Schnorr signature schemes, uh, but they would often take many, many rounds of communication. So say we wanted to do sign something together, we might have to send messages back and forth, you know, three or four times. And so, so Frost in its name is flexible round optimized Schnorr threshold signatures. There's a lot in there, but the, the round optimized, um, means that you can actually do Frost signing in a single round with some conditions. So, so we have to, in Frost, you have to agree upon, uh, a nonce to use, like with, Standard Schnorr signatures, we have to, every time we want to sign, we want to use a unique nonce. And with what we can do to make it round optimized is we can share a whole bunch of nonces up front. And then, um, every time we go to sign, we just sort of pick the next, next set of nonces in the list and we're, we're already ready to go, ready to sign. Um, so that, that's where the, the round optimized part comes from is that we can, by, by pre-sharing these, these nonces up front, we can actually, uh, smash out these signing rounds in a single round, um, which is a very nice feature, especially if you're using something like a, a hardware wallet. Um, so you, you don't want to be ferrying around an SD card uh, from your computer to hardware wallet to hardware wallet. Like you don't have to do that, that, that process dance like three multiple times. times, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe in, maybe in a particular order as well, 
Um, so it's cool that with Frost, you can do single round uh, signing. I see. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was one of the main things that uh, was, let's say, a downside of when, when people were talking about music as an example. Because of the interactivity, it maybe it wasn't the most practical choice for, let's say, uh, a hodler who wants to use multi-seek to secure his coins because then... He's going to have to go back and forth. And let's say one of the hardware devices is in a vault somewhere. One is right. in like a family member's home and one is somewhere else. And, and you're going to have to go to these locations, not just one time to each location, but multiple times to each location. And it just, it just blows up the complexity and the practicality of using it, which, where, as you said, it makes a lot of sense for Lightning because these are our Lightning nodes are already online. They're already talking to each other. Those round, extra rounds aren't such a big deal. But in the hardware device context, it's very clunky. It's right? a whole lot worse, yeah. Or, or if you, even if you're in like a company or something, you know, you don't want to have to the signing process to take up like an hour of your executive time or something. That would that'd be a bit ridiculous. Um, you just want to be able to, cl- you know, click sign once and it's signed. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so let's talk a little bit about how it works then. So, can you are you able to give us a rough overview? Yeah, let's let's get into it. Um, so. So, Frost, its building block is sort of Shamir secret sharing. Um, so, if listeners are familiar with Shamir secret sharing, you essentially, you take a, a, a secret that you want to split up into a whole bunch of fragments. Um, and, and the way you do this is you, you, you create a polynomial and, and the, uh, the constant term or the, the y-intercept in that polynomial is the secret that you want to share. And then you, you generate random other terms for for the rest of the polynomials. So your your x term might have five x, and then like three x squared, and and you you add you add all these polynomial terms, and and then you 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 end up with this sort of random polynomial with your um your secret is the 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 constant term, and once you have this polynomial, then you can start evaluating it at uh, different positions like x equals one, x equals two, x equals three, and so on. And your choice of the degree of the polynomial, so how, whether it's x squared or x to the five, this determines how many points you need to recover that initial secret. And, and the way I like to think about this is um, if you have, say, two dots on a, on a piece of paper just two random dots. There's only one unique line you can draw between these two dots. And, and that, that line where that line intersects, uh, the, the Y intercept would be your joint secret. Now, if you have three dots, uh, you can draw a unique, uh, quadratic between these three dots. And again, the, the Y intercept would be your, your joint secret. So, that that's to me a secret sharing. I hope I've done an okay job of explaining that one. Essentially, you take a, a joint secret and you, you split it up into a, a whole bit bunch of different points. And in order to reconstruct that uh, that joint secret, you need to have uh, some threshold number of points. Um, so that that's sort of the foundation of Frost. But but one problem with Shamir's secret sharing is that. Say you uh, you take a, a Bitcoin seed phrase and you Shamir secret share it into a, a whole bunch of uh, different points. One problem with Shamir secret sharing is that if every time you want to use that seed phrase, you have to fully reconstruct it. Um, so it's not like you can you can sign with each individual 
uh, fragment of of the Shamir shared phrase. Yeah, you have to fully reconstruct it, and then that that's where the it gets risky, right? You've got your phrase in one place again. Right, because you're vulnerable in that moment, right? So, if we compare to, let's say, multisig, um, and this is actually a reason why I think multisig is more practical for most people than Shamir's secret sharing, because in a multisig context, you can have, let's say, your cold card, you can be taking the PSBT and signing in that location with just one hardware device, whereas in the Shamir's secret mm-hmm. sharing context, you are vulnerable in the moment that you have reconstituted the shards, because now you've got the full seed together. So, if the criminal kind of comes to you then, you're in trouble at that point. Um, whereas in a multi-sig right. context, you could have the devices in different locations such that at no given point in time, you are fully just vulnerable to a criminal coming and saying, hey, sign your keys over to me, sign your coins over to me sort of thing. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and, and so, Frost Frost gets rid of this uh, this problem, which is really awesome. I won't go too far into the Frost key generation, but, but just to give a general idea, so, so each party who wants to create a frost uh a frost key who wants to be a part of the frost multi-signature we each create our own uh polynomial and essentially we we add some combination of these polynomials together to have a, a joint polynomial much like shimmy's secret sharing and the the really cool thing about this is that we by doing so we've essentially got this uh joint secret to a polynomial that none of us in the multisig, no, but together we have enough information to recover it. And now we don't actually want to ever recover this this joint secret because, like you said, we don't want to re- reconstruct it and bring it back to one place or, or one device. Um, so what Frost allows us to do is t- it, Frost allows us to evaluate uh, that polynomial um, so we can sign using it without actually having to, to reconstruct the secret. Um, and so, so the way you do this is because each individual has their own, uh, polynomial. They can sign with this individual polynomial. I sign with my polynomial. You sign with your polynomial. And, well, it's really the, just the, the, uh, the constant term of the polynomial. And then we, add these combination, a combination of these partial signatures together. And we actually, uh, result in a, a signature that is valid for the, the joint polynomial. So we each sign with our own little pieces, our own fragments of the key. And we're able to sign under sort of this, this group, uh, public key. Um, so that, that that's the power of frost is that you don't have to actually reconstruct the secret itself, we can sign with uh, fragments of the s- secret and then combine it at the end, and we have this a signature that's valid under the the joint secret. I see. And so, as I understand, then it's just let's say there's more complexity at the initial setup, right? Let's say you, me, and one other person. Then we do a two of three, and we want to do frost multisig. There's just that initial, let's say, sharing of those, uh, you mentioned the nonces, um, because that's what we're going to use when we sign, not just the first time, but the second time, the third time, the fourth time, etc. That's the main extra complexity, as I'm getting, as I'm understanding you. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So, yeah, that, that's really it. So, key generation is, is two rounds. Uh, so, we, to create a, a Frost multi-signature is two rounds. Um, so, we, we all each share... Uh, a polynomial of our own, and then we we have 
evaluate um, other people's, each other's polynomials at different points. And then uh, we get each pers- person results with a single point on a jo- joint polynomial. And then with signing, yes, is, is so it's usually two rounds, but you can optimize it to be one if you can decide upon which nonces and which uh, parties are going to be signing ahead of time. I see. And so, as, as I'm understanding you, it's like you're saying, okay, this is early days, but let's say in the future, at some point, this kind of tech could be brought into the likes of Electrum, Spectre, Sparrow, Nunchuck, Keeper, these kinds of multi-sig coordinator wallets, and this might just be another way to coordinate your multi-sig and actually use your multi-sig. Is that kind of how I'm understanding? Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you bring up other wallets um, because that, that's something we're actually going to be looking to, to work with is is these, there's already so many great wallets out there. We don't want to be building, you know, a Frost wallet from scratch uh, is not, not something we want to be doing. So, we, we would really like to, yeah, integrate with this with wallets such as, yeah, Sparrow and Nunchuck. Um, yeah, that would, that would be the dream. And then, uh, yeah, you're able to um, create frost keys across multiple devices and um, and you can you can sign across multiple devices very similar signing experience to a, a your existing script multi-signature I see and so when it comes to the coordinator so as an example let's just take Sparrow wallet as an example right it's a very common coordinator software let's call it so are there any big wholesale changes required there or is it more just like this would be another option to use inside these coordinating apps that's a good question there's it's mostly communication uh so it's mostly what kinds of messages are sent between frost keys um or frost devices so yeah you have this coordinator say it's sparrow um, we'll have to program into Sparrow all these different types of frost messages and, and how to, uh, send, send this data back and forth between, uh, participants. Definitely, uh, keeping track of nonces will be a, a very important thing as well. Um, because you have to make, it's, it's vital, like with regular Schnorr signatures, that you never re, reuse a nonce. Uh, if you reuse a nonce, you leak your secret. Um, and, and that's exactly the same with frost. So, so it'd be very important that these, uh, these wallets have a quite a intelligent, uh, way of choosing which not, what nonsense to use next for the next signing round. I see. So I think probably I'm, I'm thinking of Nunchuck where they have, let's say, a bit of an interface for chatting with your multi-sig counterparties or, you know, fellow, um, multi-sig people in that same quorum. And so, I, I guess what we're talking about here is the coordinator app has to be smart, quote-unquote, smart enough to talk with the other users to say, okay, here mm. are the nonces, don't use this one, use this one, that kind of thing, right? Or it has to be smart enough to help coordinate this setup, right? Because today, we could, as an example, with Sparrow or Spectre or something like this, I could say, hey, Nick, give me your XPUB, for your multi- give me your multi-sig XPUB. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna generate a multi-sig quorum on my computer. And let's say we get a third person. Let's, you know, Catan, right? Let's say Catan. We're doing a two or three multi-sig. I could say, hey, Nick, give me your multi-sig XPUB. And Catan, give me a multi-sig XPUB. I'll create it here, and then I'll export that, uh, the, you know, the register your multi-sig quorum file back to you. That's kind of how it would work in today's, let's call it legacy or script multi-sig. Mm-hmm. But in a Frost context, that might need some more, you know 
what is it, middleware or some way for these pieces of software to talk to each other and kind of share that information that's needed, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's a really good point is that, um, yeah, this frost key generation, it involves the sharing of polynomials and, and evaluations of these polynomials. It will need its own sort of uh, specification for how to sort of share these this stuff and these messages so that each wallet uh, can hopefully understand the, the right types of formats and things. Gotcha. And then let's say I've got Nunchuck and you've got Sparrow and Catan's got Spectre. You know, they, they would still need to all be able to, you know, correctly speak to each other, right? Because I guess that's the other big trade-off, right? Because we were talking about this, but I think, put it this way, legacy multisig is non-interactive in its setup, or mostly, mm, whereas mm. this is, let's say, it's interactive in the initial setup step. Yes. And I guess, does that also mean we have to be really careful about not leaking these nonces, right? Like, you'd want to keep them offline? You want to keep the sec- the non-secret private, yeah, the, the one that you're, you're signing with, for sure. I think I might have mentioned before, but the devices themselves or the users themselves should also have uh, software barriers to prevent nonce reuse so we shouldn't also we don't we should not rely on the coordinator to tell us you know use these nonces we also want the devices themselves to, to reject say i've already signed with that get lost you've come back asking with a new nonce that i haven't used yeah that's a good point because uh i remember um stepan snijarev who was a early contributor with specter wrote and spoke about this kind of idea of how could i make a multi-sig or make a setup that works even if my coordinator is evil, right? And that's kind of relying on the hardware device being able to correctly understand, as an example, oh, this change address belongs to me, or no, it doesn't. It's a malicious change address. It's a change attack, right? That kind of... Now, over the years, the multi-sig technology and hardware have evolved and, you know, improved to that level. Um, and now there are techniques and things being done, like registering your multi-sig quorum instead of being stateless and not understanding that. Um, so, that's that's a quick example, but... This is like a whole new paradigm that would have to be kind of incorporated, um, not just into the coordinator software, but also into our hardware devices. So, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what, about what that would look like as a you know a Frost hardware signing device? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just um, one thing on the on the XPubs, like you raised a really good point about uh, Frost being more interactive um, and require because like with no script multisig, you just need right like sort of a list of XPubs. One downside to that is that if you you can't lose any of those XPubs, and and this was something yes. that sort of really blew my mind uh, when I first heard about this. I was like, that can't be true. Is that is that real? But uh, in order to spend from a script multisig. You need to know every single XPub so that you can recreate the redeem script and actually unlock that UTXO. Whereas with Frost, this this won't be an issue. So that that's uh, sort of a nice a nice feature of Frost is that. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, yeah, because okay, so put it this way: in multisig today, or legacy multisig, or script multisig today, it's very important that you keep a backup of the output descriptor, and that's something I often talk about. I'm saying, hey, make sure you keep that output descriptor backup. Keep it in multiple places. You know, because you need that in, in a multi-sig context, mm-hmm. right? It's not like in single signature. You're in another world now. You need to think about that piece. Uh, it, multi-sig is better, but th- th- this is one piece of additional complexity. So, in a Frost world, that's at least one thing you can take away. So, that's that's actually yeah, useful. Yeah, single XPub. Um, just back up that single XPub and then you can back up each each uh, secret right. share. So, in this example, each user would have his own, let's say, metal seed backup for his 
you know, cold card or whatever device you're using, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, backups is an interesting one. Well, let's get back to, let's get into that in a little bit. Um, so, yeah. so hardware devices. Um, so yeah, hardware devices is something that we're actually experimenting with at the moment. And the way we, when I say we, this is Lloyd Fournier and, uh, Adam, um, Mazdom on Twitter. Um, we, the way we vision these frost hardware devices working is that, uh, so you have your coordinator, so it might be Sparrow on a laptop, and then um, you'd have a, a frost hardware device, and you would you would plug that uh, frost hardware device into your laptop, and then you'd get a second frost device and plug that into the first frost device, and you sort of make this chain of, of frost devices uh, all connected one into each other. Um, so you, you say you want to do a three a three of five. Uh, to do keygen, you could plug all five devices into sort of the backs of one another in this daisy chain. Um, and then you, you get the laptop to, to say, let's do keygen. The laptop sends a message down the chain of devices. And on each device, you can verify that it has the same view, um, of all the other devices. And once you, you look at each device, you check they all look the same. Uh, you, you go down the line sort of clicking a, an OK button and, and then you've got a frost key. From then on, you can, you can unplug all the devices and, and geographically distribute them or, you know, give one to each, uh, say, member of your, your business or company. Then whenever you want to sign, from then on, you can sign with one device at a time. So you could have your, your laptop coordinator again, plug one device in, sign, unplug that device, plug a second device in, sign until you do your three out of five. You could also plug a threshold number of devices into one another again and sign all at once, but that that sort of gets- Kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, it gets back to that thing where you know, all your keys are in one place. It's It might be cryptographically secure, but um, the physical nature of bringing all the keys together <laughs> is sort of the sketchy part. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, is it a- like hardline requirement that all the devices have to be physically present for setup. So as an example, let's say you were in different countries, right? Mm. I'm in, I'm in Dubai. I'm in the UAE yeah. now. Let's say you're, you're probably in Australia or yeah, somewhere. That's right. Like, how would we do it then? Or can we do it then? That's a great question. Um, so yeah, I, I envision that you'll be able to have, uh, coordinated software, uh, talking to each other remotely. Um, so I could run, say, Sparrow Wallet or Nunchuck, uh, on my laptop. And you do the same on your laptop and we each plug our devices into our respective laptops. Uh, and we, we could somehow link our, our coordinators to, so that they forward messages back and forth to one another. Um, and that way we can still create a frost multi signature remotely without having to, to physically connect all these devices into one another. I see. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Let's, let's talk about the backups aspect of it also. Mm. So you mm. mentioned that earlier. Can you elaborate on the backups? Yeah. Um, so Lloyd doesn't like, uh, seed phrases too much. And I, I sort of somewhat agree. Like they're, they're not the most, like they're very user friendly, but they're also very hard to convince people of like their importance. Uh, people lose them all the time. Uh, people write them down wrong all the time or they try and do clever things with them all the time. Uh, heaps of mistakes are made all the time. With Frost, seed phrases, will, I think, will be sort of an optional thing. Um, I would like to have them because Bitcoiners want to have them and they're, 
they're what people are used to. It's always nice to be able to, you know, uh, you have your, your long lived frost, uh, key share or fragment. You might want to convert that into seed words so you can easily, um, transport it or, or, uh, protect it. But one of the really cool things about frost is that, um, and we, we believe this to be true that the, the multi-signature is quite malleable. And when I say malleable, uh, I'm using this in a, a non-cryptography sense um, that you can add or remove signers to the multi-sig uh, at a later date. Um, and this is something you cannot do with uh, current script multi-signature. Um, so, so if you've got a, a two of three with script multi-signature and you lose one of the keys and you're down to, you've only got, you know, you've only got your last two keys left. There's no way for you to add in a, a new um, participant and make it a, a two of four. Um, and, and likewise, there's no way to remove a participant. So with Frost, uh, we don't have any security proofs for it yet, but we believe it to be possible to not only add and remove signing signers, but also to, to change the threshold, to increase or decrease the threshold. And, and each of those comes with uh, varying agreement requirements. So sort of most of them, well, pretty much all of them, you require at least a threshold uh, number of agree- parties to agree in order to change the number of signers. Gotcha. So you would be able to change the quorum up or down yeah. in this context. So how would you change... So I'm curious then, would you need a, okay, put it, maybe this is like an inception question, but do you need a quorum to change the quorum? Is that, yes, is that how it works? Yeah, yeah that's, that's uh, depending on what you're changing. Uh, we haven't fully got to the bottom of it all, but say you have a three of five and you want to make it a three of six, you would need three parties to, to agree to do that, uh, to, to collaborate in order to add a, that sixth party. Gotcha. Yeah. Or even to cut someone out. So let's say you're going from three or five right. down to three or four and someone's getting cut out. Like, you know, it's the same kind right. of thing, right? And, and, and the reason that that's okay is because, um, the security assumption of Frost is that you don't, you have T, a threshold number yeah. of honest parties. So if, if you've already got, uh, three people who are willing to decrease the threshold and make it less secure, then or, or kick out other other signers well then they could already steal the funds in any way um so yeah. it's it's yeah, no yeah. less i think that's that that part's kind of fair but i think for me it's more just a question of um you know you would want to see the implementation has been out and battle tested out in the wild for some time before you know if i would you know i i use you know script multisig mm. personally i'm i'm a big fan of it i i would be very reluctant to sort of change that setup, uh, unless I was very confident that it had been out there and right. tested for a while with you know multiple hardware, multiple sets of software. I think that's also part of the um, the reason for being so dogged about seeds. I think uh, for a lot of Bitcoiners is because they're focused on verifiability and being able to recreate things, right? Because if you put them into if you put a Bitcoiner into a let's say let's say seedless context or quote unquote seedless mm. they're now having to place a lot more trust in the software the hardware somebody else whereas if you have their 12 or 24 words it just at least the way i'm seeing it it's more reproducible it's more verifiable i sort of i know what's happening i can I don't know, maybe maybe it's also a, a familiarity thing because let's say I'm using cold card or some other device um, and I'm doing dice rolls to add, you know, I can, it just kind of having 
that gives me a little bit more that I can do to make it verifiable. Um, and I think that's why for me, I'm not a fan of the whole seedless style. Yeah, that's uh, a really good point. Approach. That's a really good point. You can always uh, take that seed and, and put it in like a, a yeah, like an off, exactly. offline computer or another hardware device and verify it very easily, independently verify that that's reproducing um, the same, the same private right, keys. The same seed or the same private keys. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because I wouldn't want to just be kind of placing all my trust in the software because, hey, it's, you know, I don't want to scare listeners, but. This kind of thing has happened before in, I believe, 2019 or 2020. There was a malicious alert from Electrum. Now, at the time, Electrum was a very popular wallet for OG users. And there was a malicious alert. And some users clicked it, downloaded it. Guess what? It was malware. And there were users who lost coins out of that. So I think that kind of thing can it can be very um, jarring and make it difficult for people to sort of place all their trust in one piece of software it's you know the the way i view multisig as you know my friend michael flaxman explains it's about fault tolerance right how can you set things up in such a way that even if you made a catastrophic error you still don't lose your coins mm. right because maybe there was a supply chain risk or maybe there was a problem in the cryptogra- cryptography of how it was implemented in one of those devices or maybe it's a problem in the secure element or maybe you know you're keeping your devices in different locations i think it's all about having more fault tolerance but being done in a way that's, you know, reproducible, verifiable, etc. So that's Absolutely. kind of, for me, yeah. Yeah, how I see the, the seedless versus, you know, maintaining seeds. And that's why I'm in the maintaining seeds camp personally. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what way it develops. Yeah. So I, I do really like having um, the seeds as at least an optional uh, that you can, you can always back up your frost uh, key share to a seed. And other ideas we have is sort of these NFC backups. So you might be able to like write it to a, to an NFC chip. Um, so you can easily load it up again. Um, you could even have say one frost device that you just much like a seed signer, you load up individual secret, you load up a secret share, sign, wipe it, load up the next secret share, sign, wipe it. Um, still probably not ideal if you, if you would believe that device is compromised, but it's, it's cool that you can do that. Um, so yeah, NFC backup right. and seeds. you could maybe yeah yeah you could maybe argue oh okay I'm okay with you know for some people they may be okay with having one or two of the devices as NFC because because uh, I'm using multisig already right so there's kind of a benefit of that yeah it's it's moving the security away from trying to have a, a super secure single device to having this sort of distributed risk across multiple devices. Gotcha. Yeah, and of course, maybe the the truly paranoid may say, "No, I want I want a device with a screen and a you know for every single one of the devices in my quorum because I just that's just the the, the security bar that they want to set." Or as a company, maybe they're they're just securing that much money that that's the minimum threshold. But maybe for smaller businesses, smaller amounts, it kind of makes sense to have thresholds where maybe one of them has an NFC or something like this where they're doing that. Um, and when it comes to the Frost hardware signing devices, is there any Put it this way. Is there any additional computational requirement on the hardware devices or would, say, a typical hardware device today have enough uh, grunt, let's say, to, to do the processing? They have enough grunt. Um, it's an interesting question. Frost does get computationally expensive when you start – when the threshold is really high. So, if you're doing like a – like, I don't know, like a 50 of 100, it could take a few minutes – um, but gotcha. I don't even know. I don't think anyone's doing multi-sigs of that size yet. Uh, but actually, re- quite a, a funny comment I saw on GitHub a few months ago 
on. So Jesse Posner is one of the people who have a Frost uh, implementation in the works um, to to uh, libsecp 256k1 and uh, zkp, uh, and he. In his PR, one of the guys from like this, the Wall Street's bets uh, subreddit left this comment asking, like, is it possible to do a say three million out of four million uh, person <laughs> Frost Multisig? Because they wanted to have this this sort of user um, user decided investment fund where the users would vote on what they were going to you know buy for the week or or whatever. Um, at the moment. Things like that are, are sort of computationally too intensive. Uh, it, it requires, once you have a really big threshold, you have to do a whole bunch of elliptic curve uh, multiplications, which are, are quite costly. But, but for the moment, for doing, uh, you know, your, your personal or, a, you know, anything up to, yes, yeah, I'd say like around a 50 out of 100, you're, you're probably more than nothing to worry about with existing hardware um, abilities. Yeah, I think it's interesting because sometimes things get revealed in practice, right? So, as an example, I've heard of cases where when people are signing, you know, it, we're talking here in a script multi-sig context, where they are signing a transaction with many UTXOs and they've got an older hardware device that's part of that quorum. And so, they're sitting there and the device, sometimes it takes, you know, three or four minutes to sign that transaction because there's so many UTXOs and they're multi-sig, it's more complicated. Um, and in some cases... I've heard of situations where people had to break the transaction down into smaller outputs, right? Like literally, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, like chunk, to, chunk retry the out. transaction with smaller outputs. Yeah, because it literally was not able to, you know, handle it because maybe it was an older device, like a, the the original Trezor device or something like this, right? Interesting. So it might be a similar case where you know, and you you'll never. Um, foresee every little you know edge case of how some person tries to use it right as you said in the wall street bets yeah example where they might want to do some crazy three million out of four million thing but uh yeah i think potentially some benefits there for the uh companies or maybe people with a lot to secure and maybe they really want the privacy benefit out of it i wonder with that the those those slow multi-signatures you just mentioned I wonder if that is a uh, a symptom of it being a script multi-signature. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but perhaps because Frost is not using Bitcoin script, it doesn't have to do this sort of perhaps less... For each UTXO, there might be less work. I'm not sure. I'd have to look into it. But uh, yeah, perhaps because you're not using Bitcoin script, you could avoid some of this computational uh, cost. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know enough to uh, be able to comment on it. Okay, so we've spoken about Frost. What about so in terms of Frost? In terms of where is it? Where is it at today? Implementation wise, cryptography wise, is this all kind of like highly experimental, or like where are we right now? Yeah. Um. So the the Frost paper uh, is is proven secure. Uh, so that's a great start. As I mentioned before, Jesse Posner has an implementation of Frost in C, um, and that. I view that as sort of the more uh, official implementation, the more robust one. It's it's being vetted quite heavily um, by a whole bunch of people in, in that GitHub uh, pull request. Um, Lloyd and I have our own Frost implementation in the in his SecP two hundred fifty six K fun library, uh, which is a, a very fun in the name and a sort of experimental cryptography library. 
Um, so we have our frost implementation in there and we're, we've been tinkering a whole bunch with it, trying to make it really user friendly and be able to do really powerful stuff with it. Um, so those are the two I know of. I have seen there are other non Bitcoin related frost implementations. Um, so there are frost implementations that work with elliptic curves that, that Bitcoin doesn't use and, and those are, presumably being used for other altcoin stuff or who knows what. Gotcha. And so I guess the next things would be sort of advancing it forward, maybe looking at maybe you would try to lobby some of the hardware devices. Hey, can you please support this thing or lobbying, you know, some of the wallet uh, software coordinator software to support the thing and find a way. Yeah. So, so there's a few, there's a few angles we need to, to get things working on. Um, one really big one is going to be, uh, the frost specification. So getting Jesse's implementation of frost compatible with our implementation with frost compatible with whatever other implementations of frost are out there. Um, so that's going to be one really big step and sort of a, a very important early on one. Um, once we've done that, I'm really keen to, to check out, uh, some of these existing software wallets and see if we can add in a, a frost coordinator, uh, that, that can talk to these, uh, frost hardware devices that we've been exploring. Um, that, that would be, yeah, the next sort of step for me, I think. Gotcha. Would be, uh, to get these going. Okay. Yeah. So we've spoken about frost. What about roast? What's roast? Mm, yeah, roast is a little bit misleading. When people hear the name, they, they assume it's sort of its own signature scheme. You know, you've got Musig, you've got Frost, and now you've got Roast. It's not quite like that. Um, so, so Roast is actually a, a wrapper. Um, it is a, a set of instructions for how to run a threshold signature scheme like Frost. The example of when roast is required, uh, the one I like to give is imagine you, we're, we're, we're a part of a company or say, say we're a part of a charity and say we want to donate money to say Satsale and I might not actually want to donate the charity's money to Satsale. So what I'll do is when we go to sign with Frost, I'll say, yeah, I'll sign, I'll sign, give me the, the PSBT or whatever, I'm ready to sign. But when it actually comes around to my turn to sign, I just sort of disconnect, I log out for the day. Right. And and you guys are just left hanging there waiting for my signature. And maybe I eventually come back online and say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm back now, I'll sign again. And then it comes around to my turn to sign. And again, once again, I just, I just flat out refuse to sign. So... With Frost, signers can be disruptive. Uh, they can, they can sort of pretend that they're willing to sign things or, or they can have really bad connections and they can disappear, um, which prevents things from being signed. What Roast is, it's a set of instructions for, um, which signers to choose at each signing round. So if I disconnected on that signing round, um, I, you know, you, you give me you know, an hour and I'm still not logged on to sign. What you would do is you would, your roast instructions would tell you, let's kick Nick out. He's a malicious signer. Let's go ask one of our other, um, signers of our multi-sig to, to help us sign this, uh, this message. So, so roast is a, a set of instructions that makes frost robust. Um, and, and provided you have, T, a threshold number of honest signers, you're guaranteed to eventually arrive uh, at a signature um, when you're using Roast. 
So, as I'm understanding it, is it suggesting another signer to go to? Is that essentially what it's doing, or is it, or is it a system that recognizes, like, if let's say in that example, you're griefing, and I should go mm-hmm. to Lloyd for a signature instead of you? Is it going to tell me that, or how, what's like, how does that work? So, so one of the um, fundamental requirements of Roast is that you have what are called identifiable, uh, identifiable aborts. And so, whenever I um, say I, I didn't actually sign, I, I give you gibberish back, you're able to look at the gibberish I gave you and say, Nick, you're, you're not actually signing, you're just sending me garbage. And then Roast will tell you to essentially, yeah, mark Nick malicious, let's look at a different subset of, of signers. So, Roast really sort of, it keeps track of who's a good signer and who's a bad signer. And, and you, you can continually sign using those lists. Gotcha. So, it would make more sense in bigger quorums, let's say, right? Whereas, let's say a small quorum, two or three, everyone knows each other and they're all good friends. Like, it's unlikely yeah. you would need that there, right? But let's say it's a bigger thing, like 50 people or you know, 30 people in a quorum somewhere, some, for whatever reason, if some of them go malicious... Although, I mean, if you all work in the same company together or you're in a charity together, I guess it would be kind of unlikely that that would happen. But, I mean, I guess it's useful. True. Maybe would it help in, let's say, honest cases? So, let's say, what if you were honest, like you were trying to help, maybe your internet connection was just bad, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. It, it does also help in that situation as well. When someone's got, uh, yeah, a, a bad internet connection, you can keep track of which signers are sort of uh, reliable um, which who's, who has been successfully signing and, and you can continually go to them for, as your first point of call whenever you want something to be signed. Gotcha. So, would you, wouldn't you would you manually select or not really? Like, so I guess in the current, like, I'm, I'm thinking of Legacy Multisig yeah. where I just manually select, oh, okay, let's say I've got a, you know, um, some other device, I'm going to sign it with device B instead of device C. Or I, I, I guess the way you're explaining it here is almost like the software, the coordinator is kind of auto-picking who I go to for a signature? Yeah, exactly. And, and Roast, um, like, I, the algorithm itself is actually relatively simple. It's sort of, yeah, it's just keeping track of these, these uh, who's a malicious signer and, and who has been a uh, responsive signer and, and sort of sort of updating that as you, as you would quite expect. Um, but, yeah, like you say, if you're, if you're running your own, uh, say two out of three self custody multi sig, you'll never need roast um, to you, you know you can you can trust your yourself to actually go to these devices and 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 get signatures from them. Um, and yet, even in a company, it might not be so useful. But in this sort of uh, these gray areas where it could be a little bit adversarial, you could be in a multi signature with people that. Um, you you don't have much in common with you don't yeah or maybe it's like for a bet you know how people do these bets online and maybe exactly, there's like a multi exactly. amongst people who kind of don't trust each other because maybe one of them won the bet the other one lost the bet or something exactly yeah exactly right okay cool and so then what are some of the um others oh yeah you've also um you've been playing around with Nostra as well right what's the what's the deal there yes N- Nostra uh has been a lot of fun as of late um so. It, because Nostar uses Schnorr signatures to sign 
um, it, its posts and, and everything flowing around on Nostar. Uh, you could view Nostar as sort of like a really fun playground for, for Schnorr signatures. Um, and it's a lot less risky to, to, you could be a lot more reckless on Nostar. Um, with Schnorr signatures, you know, the worst that could happen is you, someone takes over your Nostra account. Whereas with, with Bitcoin, if you're doing risky stuff on Bitcoin, you know, you could lose a lot of funds. So, so one of the things I, I did a little while ago was Nostra plus Frost is, is Nostra. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Nostra plus Frost is Frosta. And <laughs> with Frosta, it, I think it might be the world's first collaborative social media account or shared custody social media oh, account. Right. That- it's kind of like a multi-sig for social media. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so you and I could each have a, a key share of a multi-sig and in order to sign, it could be a two of two or a two of three. Um, in order to post under that, that Nostra account, you need some, some threshold number of, of multi-sig members to, to each sign the post. Oh, I see. So it could be useful for people who have like a massive social media following. Maybe they've got a team who manage, you know, if you're Joe Rogan or I don't know, someone who like has a big following and, you know, instead of trusting one person with your password for Twitter or Nostra or whatever, um, or your private key for Nostra, let's say, maybe this would be a way to share it around, I guess, kind of. Yeah. I, uh, I like to say it protects against the, the rogue intern attack that, yeah, you, <laughs> you give the intern, you know, full free reign of your, of your social media and, and they end, could end up posting, you know, whatever the hell they want. And, and social media accounts get hacked all the time from like big companies. They always end up posting like NFT scams and, and, you know, scamming a whole bunch of their, uh, their customers. You see it happen all the time. So yeah, having this shared custody of social media. Um, is a, is a pretty novel idea, I think, and it hasn't, hasn't fully been explored. Yeah. One related idea on that is that this Froster is probably what Ethereum DAOs should have been. Um, you can, a DAO probably should just be a big multi-signature where, where people sort of sign things to vote on what the the organization does gotcha. or what changes it makes to itself. And that same multi-signature um, can protect uh, the DAO treasury or, or whatever. And, and this carries forward to ideas like uh, Fedimints. So, you might want to have a, a shared Nostra account for a federation that whenever they're, you know, they're deploying an update to Fedimin or they're, they're, uh, making some changes to their security setup or something, they can publicly post this, um, under a federated Nostra account, uh, as opposed to giving, you know, giving one federation complete control of the, of the social media. Gotcha. And I guess that could also stop the malicious update sort of, uh, or at least it exactly. might help stop the malicious update thing because if, it's just, let's say, single sig uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, website. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're not real, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, single, yeah. a website that's under single, a single person's control. This is kind of like having mm. multi-sig without, without having a token. So, I think that's the other interesting thing. Obviously, a lot of the shitcoin people, they're in, the thing I see, the criticism I have of many of them is that they're not really about the functionality. They're about the Ponzi or the rug. You know, that's kind of like, they're, they're in it because they want a token that they can dump on someone or the NFT ordinals inscriptions people are really you know that's what it seems like to me at least um so this could be an example of hey you don't need a token for that you can do that with 
Frostra as an example. Although You're right, it's just yeah. a it's a key pair. It's like yeah. a shared uh key pair. It might be all that you need. Yeah. And and you can still have programmable money with it. You can do all kinds of taproot scripts embedded in this Frost multi-signature. Um you could program all kinds of functionality that moves the treasury funds around or or you could add rules you know, the which change the voting stuff. The governance, right. exactly, exactly. I I agree. I haven't actually really seen any DAOs yet that I'm like, oh, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> Maybe the Wall Street Bets one is interesting. Like having, you know, like a, a user-directed um, investment fund is an interesting idea. But yeah, I don't know if it's actually a good one. Yeah, it seems many of them in practice are centralized in some way, shape or form, or there is some kind of backup multi-sig, you know, there's some, you know, backup thing that the someone... Admin keys, yeah, admin yeah. key, right? So, and you could say, okay, even even if, let's imagine we had Frostra and they were all using Frostra, there might be some other problems too, right? Maybe there could be some kind of Sybil attack. How do you stop, you know, people just representing as multiple people, right? Maybe that's also um, a problem to deal with or a challenge to deal with. Anyway, let's bring it back to Bitcoin. Um, yeah. What do you think of the future of multi-sig, right? Like if we're if we're looking at this and we're thinking about what frost and roasts might do do you foresee a lot of companies or you know charities or maybe high net worth individuals adopting this kind yep. of thing or even just everyday you know just average users absolutely i, I think the the user experience is going to be um it has the potential to be so much more accessible than uh what people might have experienced with uh script multi signature um, I myself, when I first tried to set up a script multi-signature with Electrum uh, a few years ago, I was like, this is scary. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I've, I've heard it and I've seen it's gotten a lot better, uh, with things like Nunchuck and Sparrow and Spectre. But, but I think the, yeah, the user experience that's possible with, with Frost keys, um, is going to be really quite incredible and, and really very user friendly to, to a, a wider group of people who aren't necessarily hardcore Bitcoiners. Especially when you're bringing in these ideas of having these malleable uh, multi-sigs. So, yeah, you lose a device, you can easily buy a new one and just enroll it. Or or if you're of a company and uh, all the executives each have a frost key, if one of those executives leaves, instead of having to migrate the whole multi-sig to a new multi-sig, you could just blacklist that that old executive's key and and reissue right. a new one for a new executive. That's actually a good practicality benefit. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to migrate the whole thing. is is a really nice feature, and and it's really awesome that Frost also packages in this sort of this privacy uh, alongside this user experience improvement. Yeah, but I guess it takes battle testing. It takes time out there in the wild for people to feel you know safe with this kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. You know, but. Uh, you know, let's see where it goes. So, uh, Nick, probably a good spot to finish up here. So, just uh, let listeners know where can they find you and find uh, find your work. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at UTXO Club, and my website domain is UTXO.club. We don't have any uh, frost related social media yet, but I plan on making some soon once we've once we've got a, a product ready to unveil to you guys. Uh, so yeah, follow me at UTXO Club, and I'll I'll be posting about it there. Excellent. Thanks for joining me, Nick. Thank you very much, Stefan. I uh, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Get the show notes over at stefanlevera.com/slash four seven six. Thanks, and I'll see you in the Citadels.